Hola, yo soy Margarita y estás escuchando Limehouse Podcast. This is Paddy Ashdown and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. What a good name that is. Hi, I'm Tom Brake and this is the Limehouse Podcast. Hello, this is Nick Clegg and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Because I'm not persuaded by the case for war. This is what positive politics can do. How are you doing? You alright? Good. Then let me begin. It's manifesto week. So what does that mean? It means that the Tories have set out their plans to screw everyone they possibly can, but keeping a little smile on their face as they do it and you know, most of the country seem to be happy with that. Um, Saint Teresa, as she is, such a lovely woman, getting away with blue murder, no pun intended. And then you've got the Labour Manifesto, um, which has some interesting um, policies on there. And, you know, they're, they're not all bad, are they? The, the Labour, Labour cheeky chappies, obviously... Um, Sadly, holding hands with um, with the Tory government, obviously, or well, they will be holding hands with the Tory government, rather, with a, a massively depleted um, uh, number of, of seats. As Len McCluskey said, they'll be happy with, min- what was it, minus 30. It's unbelievable, really. They would be happy if we just lost 30 seats. Jesus wept. It is a funny old time we're living in, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Funny old time. But, um, yeah, and then the Lib Dems, obviously primarily coming out with the um, second referendum uh, you know, say on the deal say on the final deal and uh, and why not hell why not I mean you know I come from it's a liberal democrat background isn't it this podcast let's not uh, <laughs> let's not uh, try and avoid that uh, little situation there uh, this host is a full blown liberal democrat but I'm also obviously completely open to other fantastic suggestions um, when um, Emily Thornbury came on the PM show with uh, Eddie Mayer just the just other day, she was saying that, uh, no, no, they're not going to hold hands with the, uh, with the Tories in, uh, in terms of Brexit, in the Brexit deal. They've, they've set up the uh, six tests. Ha! Yeah, the six tests. Is that the, the six tests that they're going to try and hold the government to account whilst they're holding hands with them and washing their backs and between their toes. I think um, Emily Thornbury might be up for that. You know, maybe giving uh, Theresa a, a pedicure at some point over Brexit. And uh, and why not, you know, for the sake of the survival of the Labour Party, they're going to have to appeal to the worser nature within all of themselves. Within all of themselves. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Within all of them. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Um, you're dealing with a dyslexic here, guys. I get tongue-tied, don't I? Yes, I do. Yes, I does. So, anyway, and then you had the the yeah the Lib Dems, and and uh, yeah, like I said, Brexit was yeah good, yeah front and centre as as it, as it were. Um, uh, yeah, I liked it. You know, Tim Tim Farron and uh, his pumped up good old pumped up Tim on the in the uh, it must have been I think they launched it somewhere in the Ministry of Sound perhaps 
Um, it looked like a proper old um, nightclub venue. Um, not a little seedy one, though, like The Edge in Norbury in southeast London. Good God. Um, no, this looked like a proper here we go. And I'll, I'm not going to lie. I thought Tim looked quite handsome, actually, and quite dashing. And that's because, you know, that's all politics really boils down to these days. It's a, it's a, a fashion a popularity contest. And um, although the Liberal Democrats are at 9% in the polls, I think they should be up near a 95 with the way Tim goes about things. And I, I do love the guy. I, 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 I do him. I, I do like I do like Tim, you know. Um I just don't. I just don't know if it's cutting through enough, or he is, or the Lib Dems are. I don't. I don't bloody well know. I mean, you'd have thought I'd, this week is about the new European. So I'm chatting with Matt Kelly afterwards, after I've ranted, after I've bored out your ear holes. Um. Yeah, and and you would have thought the appetite for um, a new way of politics, or at least at least a new kind of you know energized opposition on Brexit, which is the chief reason that Theresa May called this general election, you would have thought that 48% of, of the people, even 30% of people, would be going, what, what are the Lib Dems up to? What are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? How can I vote for them? And hell, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe they will be doing that on, on, the, on June the 8th. But the opinion polls don't suggest that, do they? And, and that's, that's what kind of depresses me. It leaves me quite cold on, on that. And, and I don't understand. On a day where Chris Cornell, the former frontman of Soundgarden, sadly passed away, it's um it's a bit of a, a, a tough one really to 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 uh, digest. I wonder what you think. Why do you? I mean, I put this on Twitter. A question out there. Why do you think the Lib Dems are struggling so much with the with the opinion polls getting up there on, and stuck on nine percent? You would have thought by now they'd. They would be double. And I think, yeah, obviously we've got these supposed leadership um, TV debates coming up. There's one tonight. It's Thursday the 18th of May, if you're not aware. And there is one tonight. And I, I believe that Tim's taking uh, taking part in one of those. And, yeah, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn aren't, so that's fine. Uh, it's not fine. It's it's a hilarious, complete and utter travesty. It's a, it's a sort of travesty that's so... Do you know what? It's not out of place where we are right now it's not a sh it's it's not a surprise in any way shape or form we all know she's heading for a coronation those aren't you know tim farron's words fair play but it's true and yeah hell you know like i said she could probably stamp on on a puppy's head at the moment uh she yeah vote for Teresa. she's a she's probably done it for a good reason you know Teresa. she stamped on that puppy's head for a good reason i'm still voting for her so that's pretty much the political climate we're living in right now. And is it a surprise, therefore, that the Liberal Democrats aren't cutting through? Not really. Not when the left-wing, not when the left-wing press is sort of saying, "Oh, Tim Farron, he 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 doesn't believe in abortion. He doesn't." Ten years ago, he wrote an article. Ten years ago, yeah. So that means now. That means today. That means his opinion is exactly the same as it was then. And also, I might add, the the Liberal Party. The Liberal Democrats, they're, they're also, um, they don't believe. Yeah, they think that abortion's bad as well. Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. Cheers, cheers, uh, The Guardian. Cheers, Channel 4. Yeah, thumbs up to you. Well done. Uh, as always, can always count on the left, eating and punching the left, uh, as they do so, so, so very well. Oh, and then, um, 
I don't know. I mean, what do you do? What What do you do? I guess. I don't know. It's a couple of two and a half weeks to go. We'll see what happens. Three weeks or so. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I want you to enjoy this. Uh, yeah, so I'll just take a pause. I hope you enjoy this interview that I did with Matt, uh, Matt Kelly from the New European. I've I've got to say it was um, it, it's funny. The first two minutes you'll find out why it's funny. Um, it, it's a, an event that has never been, uh, that's never happened on the Limehouse podcast before, and it was quite embarrassing and quite funny. And um, what else did we? What what did we get up to? Well, we talked about obviously Europe, yes, and the state of uh, the current climate within the. Um, the Isles of Britain. And, uh, yeah, really, I mean, it's just simple. You, you'll enjoy it, because I enjoyed it. Um, I've broken my toe. This isn't relevant to anything, but I've broken my toe on my, my left foot. So I was hobbling around London, trying to get to the Groucho Club in Soho, and uh, I paid £5.50 for a tiny bottle of Peroni. Uh, what do you do with that? £5.50 for a bottle of Peroni. Wow. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll see you on the other side. I hope you enjoy it. Ciao, ciao. Not now, then. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm here with Matt Kelly, the one and only, um, editor um, of the uh, New European. And um, we, we were just chatting about the, um, the, the the March for Europe, Yeah. which was unbelievable. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, what were the official numbers? Like, tr- I think well, there were... 30 million weren't there apparently no, I, th- I heard it was 120 million oh yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah but my march is definitely bigger than your march <laughs> yeah, yeah well I remember asking a copper there who uh, how many people are here and they sort of do an assessment based on what the guys in the helicopters can see and they said 50,000 uh, but the copper said but I think it's more and I've since heard 150,000 I tend to believe it might have been a yeah, eighty thousand, something like that. And who the hell knows? You know? Well, and also, who cares? Because the yeah. message was so amazing. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. I mean, yeah. not not just meteorologically. It was. Yeah. I, I think that did help. You know, the fact that it was a nice. I know. I mean, sunny been, day. that was like warmer than yeah. than the weather we've had for the yeah. last month. But it was. There were so many families there. There were so many kind of you know kids there just enjoying themselves. So much. Um, Good feeling, I think, and optimism. That's what I took away from it. It wasn't an angry march, you know. And this is—it's yeah. it, funny, isn't it? How the forty-eight percent is currently being characterised as a bunch of swivel-eyed, angry loonies. Yeah. And actually, I think the swivel-eyed, angry looniness, if anything, is is on the on the opposition side, you know, yeah. on the, on the uh, leave side, and and getting more swivel-eyed by the day. But um, the march was ace. Uh, the new European did really well out of it which I, I was happy about we put loads of placards out there which people that took very yeah, high profile yeah. it was great it and was we noticed. sold loads of papers which yeah. was helpful and we got loads of subscriptions and of course we had our new ad- editor at large Alistair Campbell <laughs> yeah. was uh, yeah. was as ever brilliant on the stage and yeah. getting the message across so it, was, yeah. it was a great day yeah yeah no it was, it was what I, I remember for those of you guys who weren't there was the um the broad uh, array of speakers that was available. Yeah. You know, um, specifically people um, in the Polish community yeah. who came up with it. There was one particular professor, I can't remember his name. Um, actually, I took a picture of it so I wouldn't forget, and then I deleted it. Right. Because I'm that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then uh, Mike Goldsworthy as well for Scientists for UK, and he, he yeah. was um, for Europe rather, and he was, uh, he was fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, so a year ago, yeah. no 
New no, European. Nothing. No March. No. What were you doing this time last year? I was worrying, as I still am worrying, about local media in the UK. Um, my, my day job is chief content officer of a newspaper magazine group called Archant, which yeah. is based in Norwich in East Anglia. And, uh, aha. Yeah, aha. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm madly distracted by the fact that there's a naked girl through that opaque window that we're sure looking through. Are you sure it's a girl? Well, she's got a sort of girl-like figure, but you'll see there's a definite sort of girlish bottom keeps appearing near the... <laughs> should, near the should we draw we're the... We're sort of doing a bit of... Should we draw yeah, the curtain? Yeah, we should probably... Should, I'm feeling a little bit sort of... Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh uh, God. Either keep the curtains open, we'll pause the interview, or we'll draw the curtains. Or should we just do the, the same trilogy, or just... Knock, knock, knock on the window. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Do you mind? There's an interview taking place here. Well, I mean, you. So anyway, I'm, gonna, I'm now going to focus. I'm now going to focus on the uh, on yeah, the interview. Yeah. Oh dear God. Oh dear God. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to draw the curtain. Yeah, yeah. That, that. Somebody is actually having a shower right in front of that, me. That's a that's a new that's an all time new. Yeah. Yeah, there's a new <laughs> happening here on the Limehouse podcast. Only in the Groucho Club does this kind of entertainment get yeah. thrown in for but, free. But we do encourage cleaning, so that's, yes, you know, self-hygiene is important. Good. It is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I was and am worrying about local media and how local media um, maintains its relevance in, in communities because it's an industry yeah. under huge threat. And actually, I think this is, you know, all sinks into the problems we've got with media now and people... Yeah. Um, battling against fake news and stuff like this, and not feeling particularly connected in their communities, it's all it all ties into a theme. So, yeah, I was doing that. That's my day job. Uh, I'd been there, what five or six months, yeah. and then the referendum happened. I think, like most people, the result was a bit of a shock. I yeah. was in London at the time, so I live in London uh, and and commute to Norwich a couple of days a week. But I was in Shoreditch. At a meeting, and I remember walking down uh, Red Church Street in in uh, Shoreditch, and stopping at the All Press coffee shop. And as soon as I walked in, the guy started talking to me about what had just happened. You know, no okay. introduction, nothing. Yeah. And it was just one of those moments where I felt like a community had been galvanised by an event. And actually, the closest I can pin it to is when Diana died. Funnily enough, in London, you know, it was just a sense of collective shock yeah and I thought crikey you know there's something here that is reflective of of a disruption in media and in politics yeah and how can I take advantage of that that was my you know I'm, I'm as much as the new European is a is a political thing it's also a journalism thing you know it's a publishing exercise and I emailed my boss and said you know it, this might be absolutely crazy but if ever there was a time for a new national newspaper I think it's right now yeah and don't forget we've just gone through a period where there'd been a couple of newspapers had been and gone you know Trinity Mirror had launched a paper called The New Day The New Day I remember yeah yeah and there was one in the north of England called 24 the paper for the north you know which okay. was in a, had come and gone very quickly uh, both very noble experiments but ultimately failures so it wasn't the most auspicious time for a uh, new newspaper launch but I thought let's um yeah. I'll put it out there, you know, show some sort of ambition for innovation to my boss, if nothing else. So what are we talking like a startup budget of a... Startup budget of nothing. You know, yeah. we sat down and we we had a chat about it the next Tuesday. And um, Jeff said, Jeff Henry, my boss, said, go away and have a think about it. Come back the next day with a business yeah. case. 
And we worked out that if we could do it quickly and within our own resources, we could do it for almost break even with very limited sale. Yeah. And to Jeff's eternal credit, he said, go and do it. Uh, nine days later, we were in news agents. I cannot actually yeah. get my head around how quick that is, a turnaround. Yeah. I know this is a political podcast, but it if is, this was yeah. a media podcast, you would talk about how you could get a newspaper to market that quickly and you couldn't get a website to market that quickly. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way you could get a website to market, a good one that Obviously quickly. Obviously you had the, the infrastructure yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, So it was sort of like a, a bridgehead, as it were. It was. Um, we had an... We, I mean, we know how to do newspapers, so... Yeah. But national distribution was new to us. Um, the national uh, design, although my background's in national newspapers, but filling the thing with content, you know, yeah. that... that in that first week. It was an amazing thing. Yeah. To get it out there, I had this most amazing afternoon where we'd launched the first issue, it stays on sale all week, and then the next week we get the circulation back. And we had no idea what, we would, what we'd sold. You know, I was kind of hoping for 20,000, you know, I thought that was at the upper end of my expectation, and we sold 40,000 that yeah. first week. Yeah. Two quid a time, and I thought, wow, it's, there's something here, you know. And then very quickly I thought, well, there's something there because there's a bloody big engaged community here, yeah. you know. And in fact, if you look at the scale of the opportunity, 16 million people who felt a bit disenfranchised that morning, if even only 10% of them feel <laughs> yeah. hard enough about, you know, the issue that they buy a newspaper, the fact that I'm only now selling 25 to 30,000 copies in a 1.6 million large market opportunity yeah. says I'm failing horrifically. But anyway, I think <laughs> I, I think generally it's a it's a it's a good thing. Uh, it's been a great publishing exercise, but I think it's it's good for the plurality of media out yeah. there, you know. And I mean, obviously, you'd say the Daily Mail have done a pretty goddamn good job at uh, dog whistling for. I don't know how many years yeah. now. I, I'm not sure I call it dog whistling. I think klaxon yeah. blowing. Okay, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's fairer. And yeah. and some of your editorials are absolutely like some of the most passionate uh, read, reading you could you can you can find on the market these days. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it's so empowering for people that were say like me at Glastonbury Festival yeah. away from all, from everything at the, yeah. when the result came in, but flooded to the left field stage with Billy Bragg and yeah. you know Clive Lewis and people like that. Um, and they feel like you guys perhaps have got quite a responsibility on your hands to keep people like myself. Yeah. I don't know the ammunition there. So I would say yeah. uh, one of my questions is, how do you feel about um, having this being the shield for for, for pro EU yeah. Remain people versus the Leave machine? If if I felt that responsibility, I think it would be paralysing. You know, and yeah. I d I don't feel that responsibility. It's wonderful that people might feel that about yeah. us but I don't I one of the great things about this newspaper is that there's no expectation of success you know we built failure in right at the beginning we said we'd only do it yeah. for four weeks yeah and the fact yeah. that we're now you know, next week will be issue 45 so we're well past our sell-by date now there's a chance that it will turn into a sustainable product which is which is fabulous but what I've always said is that the fact that I don't care how it sells is what makes it a good paper. Yeah, you know, I don't give a shit. I yeah. don't, I don't. You know, yeah. I really don't care who I piss off. Good. I. It comes across, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, we went to, we did a front page about Skegness, you know, with the Jolly Fisherman poster, you know. Yeah, It said great. Skegness is so Brexit, and everybody got really upset, you know, yeah. and really 
annoyed and the BBC got very kind of wound up about it. Uh, the fact is, we sold more in Skegness that week than we've ever sold before, you know, yeah. or since. So there's a huge community there who are on message with us. And my view is that if you've got the Daily Mail and the Sun and the Daily Express and the Daily Telegraph, who are all prepared to be fairly brutal, up to and including articulating absolute lies to try and swing people yeah. towards their position, then I'm not ever going to lie, but I will be absolutely brutal in how I position my perspective as well, you know, and yeah. I want that to come through the paper. I want I want it to feel vigorous and alive. Um, and I don't feel the responsibility that I'm carrying the mission for anybody, but I am very, very keen that for as long as there's a market there, we are speaking completely honestly about this very important issue. Yeah. And the inspiration for the thing is, is Thomas Paine in, um, you know the Philadelphia Papers, or that you know he wrote this. Yeah. The, he wrote these pamphlets, American Crisis, which George Washington read out to the troops at Trenton, you know, before the battle. And it's I didn't, I didn't know, but yeah, please, yeah. Fill but me well, in. Thomas Paine was a guy, funnily enough, born yeah. in Norfolk, where this uh, newspaper's based. Yeah, and he was a revolutionary pamphleteer, basically. Yeah, and he, at the moment of crisis, wrote these pamphlets. I think seven or eight of them. Okay, which yeah. galvanized support in a very popular way for this very trying period in American history. Okay, yeah. And I've always been um, very drawn to the idea that journalism should be a dynamic and proactive part of an argument. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't just be a passive chronicler of fact. You know, it should be in there fighting from a, a partisan position unashamedly. Mm -hmm. Where it falls down is if that partisan position is quite prepared to deploy lies and inaccuracy yeah, as yeah. part of their argument. Yeah. But I wanted the New European to feel a little bit like it was a short-lived political pamphlet, you right. know, and that it's in the market yeah. and it's punchy and it's aggressive, but it's it's passionate about this topic. I hope that comes through. That's yeah, well, we don't want... I don't want bullshitters, to be honest, mm. you know. And I think that's what I admire so much about your paper. You know, when I first saw it, literally you know nine day turnaround i was like thank thank christ yeah because when we came back from glastonbury and you know <laughs> my girlfriend was in tears yeah. and i had a moment at glastonbury i can't remember what band i was watching but yeah i did have a little bit of a cry yeah and like you know what i don't i don't know maybe i'm a bit like anthony hopkins i don't <laughs> you know i don't really do well with um uh, not emotion as such, but you know that sort of. Um, oh, what's that word he used for it? Um, cli you know, cliched emotional stuff yeah. in movies. He just gets right. the job done. Yeah. And I try to be as neutral as possible. But I had that moment, you know, when, yeah. I, when I was at Glastonbury, like, oh, oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. because everyone was together. Yeah, and totally. You thought, this is a beautiful thing. Glasgow yeah. is a beautiful thing. And what the fuck is going on? You've mm. got like people that are, they're just totally bought UKIP. And is this why you, sorry, this is your interview, but let me No, no, if I said Is this why you yeah. started the uh, the podcast? And to a degree. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think it was it was that. And also, uh, I, I come from Liberal Democrat background. Yeah. And they weren't doing a, a, a job at it at all. Yeah. And there's a market for it. Yeah. And also because it's just the collapse I don't want to there's a collapse of the left going on yeah. it's like left versus left at the moment yeah. under Jeremy Corbyn mm. um, which would probably lead me into one of a question yeah. um, 
how do you feel about that? I mean, like, because yeah. I know, obviously, we spoke very briefly before I started recording about you know you had your picture taken with with Jezza. Yeah. yeah. And um, how 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 <laughs> how do you feel about the big man? Well, he's so. I mean, for context, my whole family are Labour voters, and I'm a lifelong Labour voter. Although I've never seen or had the urge to sort of join the party, but so I'm, I'm a Labour voter by inclination, and he has been a massive challenge yeah. to to my default setting to vote Labour. He really has, and what? So just for anybody who's interested, he. You know, we've criticised Corbyn quite a lot in the paper in the past. You know, we had a front page, Labour's lost leader and all of this. And um, we, you know, and Keir Starmer's been very kind of on the front foot with us, trying to sort of convince us about their longer term strategy mm. around Brexit. But as Corbyn, last Sunday, I'm sitting at home, minding my own business, getting ready to go out for a walk, and a fella knocks on the door and it's a Labour canvasser with a letter from her wife. She must be on some mailing list. And he said, by the way, Jeremy Corbyn's in your street. Would you like to meet him? So I said, 100%. You know, I've been trying to get an interview with him for ages. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. uh, So anyway, he goes off, and I kind of sort of walk out. We live in a sort of very quiet North London, Victorian terrace-style street. Not very big, but quiet enough. And I look around the hedge, expecting to see a sort of plethora of people and a TV crew and all of that, and there's absolutely nothing there. So I think maybe it's a wind-up. Yeah. I go back up to my bedroom, and I look out the window of my bedroom, and lo and behold, I see Jeremy Corbyn on his own, walking down the street, coming looking for number 42, our, stri- our house. Room. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I like that. And, but you go, this is like, this is last Sunday in the middle of the whole, you know, Theresa May is going around with huge camera crews everywhere doing high profile stuff. Yeah. And here's Jeremy on his Todd yeah. in Highbury, you know, talking to constituents. Actually, you know, I re- quite done, like that he's about He's done it, his know. whole, he's done that his whole his life. Whole life. So that's he knocks on change, the door, yeah. he knocks on the door and there he is on his own. My wife comes in, I'm, my wife come, says to him, you know, I'm a lifelong, I'm going to vote for you, right? But everyone I speak to says that I'm absolutely mad to do so. You know, how are you going to convince them? And he sort of doesn't really have a, an answer for that. And then I reveal to him that I'm the editor of The New European. And he's, he uh, he said, I didn't know you lived here. And I said, well, why, why, would, would, you? why would you? <laughs> and, um, and, and then I sort of unload on him about, you know, Article 50 and the lack of clarity and what oh, does it all add up to? God, okay, yeah. And to give him his credit he says so what do I you know how do I get this message across to all the two he said he said at the time the two-thirds of Labour voters who want to leave and I think what he meant was the fact that he's got two-thirds of his MPs and constituencies who voted leave so yeah. but anyway his point was how do I without eroding the entire vote get this yeah. across and I said people would appreciate clarity and respect clarity much more than they are at the moment, everyone's looking at you and just thinking there's a complete fog. So then he, he drifted off. I went back into my kitchen, had a cup of tea. Fifteen minutes later, come out the front door, and he's still there across the road talking to a delivery driver. Right? I mean, and then he ambles off on his own down towards uh, the old Arsenal Stadium. And I, I just thought, God, you know, that, that this is Jeremy Corbyn, you know, at his best, probably Absolutely, engaging yeah. on a very public level. Um, I th- yeah, he's was, not going to be there for very long, though, is he? I I don't think so. No. I, I mean, well, unless there's some, unless we're all missing the point, 
and he, actually <laughs> yeah. he's got the point you know unless that's true I don't know yeah but Matt he kind of has but the problem is he's unelectable yeah he has got the point I yeah. I actually when Corbyn first came along I was like this is it like yeah. this is what yeah. my girlfriend my girlfriend's sister yeah. loads of my mates they were all like fucking hell here we go here's yeah. the man you know yeah. um, and then it I, I met Shelley Williams yeah. really, really randomly yeah. at Waterloo Station on the, I don't know, freaking on the time he just got elected yeah. um, as leader. And she said, well, you know, I think it's, you know, it's leftism, progressive, blah, 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 you know, but just be careful about his stance on the European Union. And I was like, I just yeah. walked away thinking, yeah. what, what's she talking about? Yeah. And then lo and behold, yeah. you know, you know, a year, a year and a half yeah. later, where look where we are now. Yeah. But I have to say, I was encouraged, and I've spoken to several people in the in the Labour Party who are equally encouraged mm. about this line, no deal, no Brexit, in the manifesto that will hopefully be fully articulated there. But um, And I, I do think that is now a plausible... You can start building a realistic scenario where actually this car crash doesn't happen at some yeah. point. Whereas in the past, it just seemed impossible. With the greatest will in the world, Tim Farron wasn't going to be able to carry that second referendum. No, no. But I can sort of see, in yeah. you know, if the economy starts tanking, if there's a couple of high-profile bad uh, elements in the deal, if the Tory party starts fighting each other, and my God, you know, if they don't, that'll be a miracle. Yeah. Know, their default setting is to kick each other to lumps. You can see in 18 months' time, perhaps the environment would be right for a, co- a consensus within Parliament that yeah. would force a vote of no confidence. And that might lead to a second referendum where it might be, yeah. let these bloody representative MPs actually do their job and represent constituencies rather than acting like delegates. Yeah. I mean, I was banging on about, my, I was talking to my mate this, this morning um, on the old phone and he was ringing me up, uh, doesn't know an awful lot about politics, and I was trying to explain to him, we need a revolution in the voting strategy. Yeah. Pro- sorry, not strategy, uh, proportional representation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that's really, you know, de- devolution as it were. And yeah. I know Russell Brand's banged on about that in the mm. past, and, and fantastic. But in terms of like progressive politics, and I wanted to ask Nick Clegg this question, but it, I, I literally left the interview and half an hour later I was like, that would have been such a cool little question. but I. Who would be your your dream team um, to lead a progressive party? Yeah. Um, bearing in mind, if I were to ask a politician this, they would yeah. say, "Oh, well, we'll wait and see. I don't think there'll be another. There's yeah. no need for another party." Blah blah blah. But there are an awful lot of people saying, "Fucking hell, we're sick and tired of this yeah. babble." Who would who would be in your dream team if you've got uh, maybe four or five people yeah. who maybe? It's really difficult, and it's, I'll tell you what, why it's difficult. It's difficult because it's hard to separate out today's politics with what what could evolve in terms of a reshaping of, of of the old political structures. And I think I can't. I'm old enough to remember the SDP, you know, yeah. and I I can't help but thinking that it's not impossible that out of this mess and sooner than later could come a new movement that mm. was more reflective of not just of the of the Brexit issue, but more reflective of how people are now thinking generally in their in their lives. But who yeah. would lead that is the is the killer question, you know, because yeah. it's 
I can't see anybody amongst the people that I'm looking at day in day out. Yeah. And you, you know, the names that come to mind, like, um, you know, could Keir Starmer sort of be a more authoritative, credible leader of the Labour Party? Yeah. Possibly, but it's hard to see that happening in the context of the Labour Party today. Could Tim Farron go and galvanise? a sort of progressive coalition, possibly, but it's hard to see it happen. Yeah. And you keep seeing, what I think is missing is is a degree of, of political pragmatism and an understanding of, of what is really annoying people out yeah. there. So case in point, and this, this demonstrates my pragmatism over my sort of dogmatism, is when Tim Farron says, that he'd let in an extra 50,000 Syrian refugees. I think absolutely right, totally the right thing to do. And we did a front page suggesting as much in the paper before Christmas. But that's not what people want to hear right now. And if that deflects 3% of people who were planning to vote Liberal Democrat from you, keep your mouth shut. You know, throw that in after the election. Do you know what I was thinking? I'm not saying, I was generally thinking that this week. Yeah. I mean, I my heart sings like every time I hear someone talk about, you know, progressive, um, solutions yeah. to the uh, refugee crisis. Yeah. But, you know, just gonna, yeah. people have got to, we're in a scrap here. You know, you can see how cynical and mani- manipulative the Tories are. Oh, yeah. And yeah. backed up by a cynical, manipulative right wing press. We are in a scrap here. Don't give them ammo. Try not to run over cameramen's feet. Try not to say we're going to open the doors to Syrian refugees. Try not to yeah. talk about legalizing cannabis at this stage. You know, yeah. the, just focus on the thing that is dominating people's mind. Bring them back to this issue. Our economy, our future, our whole direction as a nation is about to take a massively negative turn because of this stupid vote. Focus on that. Yeah. That's that's what I would say to them. Maybe he was appealing towards. Uh a demographic he thought would, you know. But, but definitely, and look, you know, he's a conviction. I, I've got loads of time for Tim Farron. I really like him, and he's a conviction politician, you know. And you can yeah. see in his face wrestling with these, well, yeah. with the difficulties yeah. of these issues. I think it's incredibly ironic that he gets slagged off for having religious conviction uh, in a, you know, almost as though conviction is a is a, a huge flaw, you know, yeah. and that, that's a bad negative thing to have. How dare he have values that he sticks <laughs> yeah. to, you know. Yeah, it's like a death sentence. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but who is the person to lead this thing? Who's our Macron, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I just think we've got a lot holding on to, uh, we've got to hold on a lot, just hold on to the sledge and see where we go. Um, Ironically, I do think that people keep talking about the will of the people and the yeah. great British public and all of that. I do think that they are smarter than the Leave camp give them credit for, and I think you can see some of the urgency and the and the panic in in the messaging mm. around. Let's just do it, get it done, and all of that. Yeah, people out there are like, well, hold on a minute. It's let's just not be silly and stupid. If we put in a contract on something, but let's get the survey done, yeah. and if the survey reveals that it's sitting on a sinkhole, then let's not go through with the completion on the house. You know, let's. Yeah. That's how normal people think. They don't think in terms of dogma. They think in terms of what's going to be best for me and my family. Yeah. And, you know, we're going over old ground, but my belief is that the Brexit vote was a, a, the consequence of a, a real failure of domestic politics, not European politics. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree anymore. It's like, I mean, I, I go back to um, uh, the proportional representation 
and I used to, I had a really good chat with Neil um, Neil Lawson about this. You guys kind of got the same look going on, and the same um, <laughs> and the same political. We are the same of, person. Have you ever <laughs> seen me in the same room? <laughs> We've got to get you on a panel together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that I, that's where my politics comes from. I'm like, mm. you know, that progressive, we can do this thing. But then you go up, uh, you know, or you, you switch from question time and you've got someone at the, the back of the room shouting at Tim Farron yeah. as if he's a, a, just a nothing. Yeah. Like just someone you can abuse. Yeah. And I think that's where politicians, sorry, that's where it's headed for, yeah. you know, members of the public. That's their perception of them. Going, we've. We voted leave. Let's just get out. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Why haven't we left? Why haven't we left? There are people that probably think yeah. we've already left. Yeah. Perhaps. That's right. Definitely. I remember seeing. Um, I thought this was so telling, uh, and this, in fact, was what inspired the Skegness front page. Was Kay Burley walking around for Sky News trying to interview people in? I think it was actually Clacton, but very near Skegness. Yeah about Brexit and she said, I remember saying, I can't find anybody who wants to talk about Brexit. And this, you've got to remember, is the most Brexit part of Britain. So I yeah. can't find anyone who wants to talk about Brexit because they're all bored of it. They're, all they say is, why haven't we done it yet? Oh God, yeah. And I just thought, this is, this is what makes me angry. This is what carries my energy into the paper, is how dare those people say they're bored of it? Yeah. You know, they drop us into this mess and then they just say, I'm bored of it. Yeah. You know, you've got disproportionately elderly communities. Uh, you've got, you know, the reality is this is a hugely complex, sophisticated issue. And when people say, don't you dare condescend to people and say they didn't know what they were voting for. Well, allow me to say they didn't know what they were voting for. They didn't. Yeah. I didn't know the full complexity of it. Right. I, and I defy anybody to say that they knew what the ins and outs of the customs union, the consequences of leaving the single market, the consequences of, of trade-free deals, yeah. the uh, history of the European Union's evolution and how it's kept us safe, and the security network that we're engaged in. Yeah. Bollocks they all knew about it. Yeah. So this another lie propagated by a desperate and panicky Leave Brigade who yeah. think we've got our victory and we've got to rush for the finishing line now. Well, I suspect that time, sooner than later, will show that actually the finishing line's much further away than they think it is, and that the British public will start paying attention to the fact that their foreign holidays are now unaffordable, the petrol prices are going up, the food yeah. prices are going up, their interest rates will start creeping up. There'll be a few stories, no doubt, of people moving investment from the UK, which will yeah. have a negative effect on on jobs in communities and i don't Do you, want it to happen mm. but i think we're going to have to go through a trauma before people really see what what they've done well yeah i mean do you not do you think not that there's a whole a, a pride aspect to this as well my, yeah. my my fear is that what you've just described there is that people aren't willing to to say not, we were wrong right yeah. and and also oh hang on it's the coalition of chaos that yeah. are undermining all this the yeah. liberal elites that uh, are deliberately yeah. sabotaging this yeah. whole thing like the traitors at the new european and all of this right business, and yeah. and it's going to happen because yeah. it's going to get mega yeah mega dirty that's right uh so in in we know it's coming yeah. it's going to happen what i mean is there any i mean if it's a state of war now what's it going to be like in two years time yeah you know well i i think um I think people, it will get nasty. I'm sure, you know, it's a horrible thing to, to say, but I think it's not at all unlikely that there'll be 
civil disturbance at some point, you know, in the next two years, that people will get angry about this. But the right, the UKIP are going to come back, surely? Well, I mean, I don't think the right have gone anywhere. I think they've just been assimilated into the Tory party for the moment. But I think, uh, I suspect that, um, you know, you look at France and everybody's tap dancing now saying, fantastic, it's all over, we won. It's 13 million people there who voted for a neo-fascist. You know, they haven't gone anywhere. Well, this is this is the thing. Um, I have a terrible tendency um, when I'm having conversations to just pick on one subject and not drop it. But this is so important. I just think the, yeah, what you were saying, how the, an article in this week's um, copy of the New European, a really good piece on how the, you know, UKIP um, have been swallowed up by the Tory party. Yeah. Uh, and the, oh, it was a fantastic, it was a lead, one of the lead articles just about how it's basically been swallowed up but and eaten and yeah. potentially destroyed, but it's left uh, a disease within the Tory party yes. itself. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think, um, I think what one of the great tragedies of Theresa May's current popularity is that it's based in her appeal to the far right not just in her party but the far right in this country you know people who yeah. who who think in a very negative way about but she's happy to have that right? and that's the tragedy is that yeah. she's prepared because ultimately you know she is she's a very pragmatic person Theresa May and her willingness her alarming alacrity to mm. towards moving towards the messaging towards these people um, I, f- I find it really disturbing because it's not her core belief. That's what I don't. That's where I find it disturbing. If she yeah. was a hard right loony, then at least then you'd be able to say, okay, uh, you can identify her for what she is, which is what happened in France. You know, people could identify Marine Le Pen clearly yeah. Yeah. as a far right danger to society. But Theresa May is much more complicated than that. She's yeah. not. Uh, and you can see in the lack of revelation from what she really thinks, you know, she's the most opaque prime minister I think we've had in, in recent times. No yeah. one knows what she thinks, even to the extent where suddenly she reveals that she's in favour of fox hunting. You know, Now, if that hasn't come from some data-mined piece of analysis Let's by Linton Crosby... Throw this out. By the way, yeah. we reckon... Yeah. That if you go in favour of fox hunting, it's one of those issues that will attract support in marginal countryside communities, but it's not big enough a deal to piss off the votes that you that you're winning in the metropolitan areas because you're conservative pro business. That's how that one works, Theresa. Okay, fine, let's do it. I mean, even UKIP were anti fox hunting in their yeah. manifesto. I mean, seventy eight percent of people are against the bringing back of, of yeah. fox hunting. She, there's no way Theresa May Clang, has, Clang, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way she's she's gone out on that one without somebody backing it up with some electoral science about how that's going to win sixteen constituencies in the north of England or something. Yeah. I mean, as, as a um, as a journalist editor, is it does it kind of how did, how does election how does election feel to you this campaign? Are you because some people I'd, are saying it's the most boring in recent history. I mean, obviously, I would maybe disagree just because yeah. I'm I'm quite politically active. But how would how would you feel it's going? I don't think it's really kicked off yet. I think I, I mean I think maybe this week it kicked off a bit with the manifesto, the Labour manifesto, which I was I've got to say I was really impressed with a lot of stuff in there. In that there was yeah. some clarity around big issues. Yeah. And nobody will be able to say they're all the same. You know, there's definitely a distinction there. And I think 
I wouldn't be surprised if if the Tories are a little bit rattled actually by some of the stuff in that manifesto, yeah. especially the uh, renationalisation of the rail yeah. network, which is for a lot of people are just a common sense good thing. And I think it, it appeals to that broader sort of. Um, yeah. uh, uh, working a proletariat kind of like up and down the land yeah, people that yeah. were used to can remember the good old days and they're going to talk degree. about extending HS2 up to Scotland and yeah. they talk a lot about the minimum wage and and you know applying greater taxation on people who own, earn more than 80,000 quid well there's a lot of good stuff in there that people I think and this is where it'll be interesting for me in the new European right so obviously massively skewed audience sample okay our subscribers right so you're talking about hardcore remain fans we've got a poll in this week demonstrating huge swing from labor intent voting towards the liberal democrats i mean enormous it goes yeah. from labor being like they voted labor last time 50 percent of them or something now only 20 percent will vote this time and yeah. all of the votes going towards the lib dems i wonder how much that manifesto may pull some of them back in and they may find enough common ground there to say here is a realistic opposition yeah if they can get through the next six weeks without being exposed as economic cretins <laughs> yeah which i'm not yeah. saying they are but if they can back up their spending yeah. plans credibly then it might make it interesting you know yeah. and if theresa may does not win by a landslide then where is Game this on. much vaulted mandate that she's been seeking? You know, yeah. she only comes back with say forty, fifty majority. Yeah. Where's where is the mandate that mm. you know the country is still split? It's still divided. The Brexit argument carries on. Yeah. No, so it's quite quite interesting. I mean, in terms of like, and also in those sort of um, Labour facing Lib Dem sort of on the fence, um, the swing that you spoke about. Um, yeah. To, from Labour to, to the Lib Dems, you'd you sort of say, how many of those votes are realistically going to get, get them seats? Because yeah. you know that you have an increase in, yeah. in votes in yeah. 2015, but we lost seats. But, well, I think you talked about proportional yeah. representation, and I think, obviously, we haven't got proportional representation, but I think this election will come as close as we've ever been to having a realistic effect of proportional representation, because I think people will tot up the popular vote, and they will say... Okay, because you've got to remember we've come off a 48-52% uh, a, a binary vote. Yeah. People will try and equate the popular vote in this election to the referendum. And they'll say, okay, so stick up the anti-Brexit vote against yeah. the pro-Brexit Brexit vote. And is, has there been a big shift? Yeah. And there won't be. There just will not be, you know. Yeah. Um, so, or at least I certainly hope there won't be. But... You know, I think I think there's going to be a general acceptance, though. I I, I mean, I, I'm a gardener. I work all over Southwest London, and a lot of my clients that I speak to, I mean, it's not many, maybe fifteen or twenty, but those ones that have voted Tory, vote, that voted Remain, yeah. they don't. They're just like, we should just get on with get it. Get on now. with it. I definitely. Yeah. So I think there's a there's. I'm just I like, think there's apathy across the whole thing. Apathy's my, it. Yeah. My 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 hope is that. And it may just be marginal, but my hope of the balance of motivation versus apathy is with people who feel affronted by the Brexit vote. Yeah. And I hope and believe there'll be more people who who feel like they've won the argument who will be more apathetic. Yeah. The people who feel they lost the argument, I hope 
will feel more motivated to get out and vote. Uh, and I hope that they vote tactically and register a vote against Brexit, however they feel that's best to do. Yeah. Um, and my basis for that is that this time, you know, you're talking about an issue here that has permanent consequences, whereas a normal general election, you can reverse it in five years. This, you're talking yeah. about an issue that is for, re for, for, for forever. So I do feel that people ought to think twice about political, long-standing political yeah. allegiances and, and, and vote if they feel that uh, Brexit is a bad thing. They should do their best to register that vote at this election. Um, I just wanted to ask you about um, if people, how, where people can, how people can get hold of the new European. So we're on sale in uh, all WH Smiths, all Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Tesco's, co-ops. Um, we launched a issue in the Republic of Ireland a couple of weeks ago, which uh, oh, yeah. which is going really well. And um, and we're in sale loads of independent news agents as well. So yeah. or you can subscribe really cheaply at the neweuropean.co.uk. You yeah. get thirteen issues for thirteen quid. Best thirteen pounds you could spend. God, Republic of Ireland, the, the hard border. That's going to be one yeah, hell yeah. of an issue. So it? it's really interesting that we saw. You know, we, we put yeah. it out there, not really knowing how it would go, but it flew. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a definite demand for it. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave it there. Mate, thank but, you very much. Yeah, no, no, many thanks. I'll, um, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> right, thanks very much for tuning in this week. I did enjoy that. I hope you are able, where you can, to get hold of a copy of The New European and rummage through it, read it, and enjoy, because I know you will. Um, I just want to make this a quick goodbye, because it's, it's getting late. I know you want to go to bed, or get up early, or go swimming. And, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you when I see you. It's probably going to be a couple of weeks from now, maybe sooner. Who knows? Who knows? Check us out on Twitter, Limehouse Pod. That's our, that's our love handle. <laughs> uh, Limehouse Pod. I've been, been enjoying some of your chit chat. Um, I think well, I just, um, want to give a shout out to Steve Little he's a good lad he's a good chappy good uh, good banter with with Steve and uh, Lynn Featherstone actually the, 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 this week who came out with a fantastic tweet um, about uh, fracking that the government have decided to uh, well they probably might have been given a free hand haven't they really let's let's, let's be honest uh, fracking um, fox hunting you name it it's gonna happen guys you know I don't, I don't care what you say. We're, we're in for it, guys. We really are. No, I just don't care. I know you think the Tories are going to be fantastic, but they're not. News just in. The Tories are not going to be good for this country. Lynn Featherstone on Twitter. Tories give green light to frack here, there and everywhere, selling their souls and effing over the planet. Hashtag frack free united. In that, it, it's true, though. Lynn is a legend and she's true. She's true and right and she's great. Uh, yeah, so also uh, in, in, send me some questions. Send me some questions for Ed Davey. I'm having a chat with him so soon in the next week or two. Um, used to be an MP, did stuff. Great, great Lib Dem. Um, send me some questions. The Limehouse Podcast at gmail.com 
thelimehousepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, do it. Also, listen to some podcasts. Can I can I just suggest some really quickly to you? Yeah? The New Statesman, that's bloody brilliant. Stephen Bush, Helen Lewis, fantastic they are. Yeah, do it. F- FT, Financial Times, they do a bloody good one. And um, and the New European have actually got a podcast out at the moment as well. So all you need to do is just go to iTunes and tap that in or SoundCloud and they're all there. And they're fantastic. Knowledgeable people. Vastly knowledgeable. But anyway, Monty's on the bed next to me. He is um, my miniature schnauzer. And he is uh, sleeping. So he's keeping me company. And good luck to him. Rosie's downstairs. She's uh, left me alone to do the podcast. Fair enough. Fair play to her. And this has been um, a, a Limehouse production for the listeners of the world. Chin up, guys. The election's almost over. It's not. It's uh, it, mm, it, good luck. You know, I'm not. A, I'm not going to tell you to do. If you've got a problem with alcohol, obviously, you know, don't take uh, don't take this the wrong way. I, but if you haven't got a problem with alcohol, I suggest just over the election period, just to maybe have a few extra drinks. One more than you normally would, just to get you over the line, especially tonight with the leaders' debate. Sorry, did I did I say leaders' debate? I said <laughs> debate. Because although our royal leader, great leader Tim Farron will be on there, and he will make great points because he's Tim Farron, and hopefully Caroline Lucas or Jonathan Bartley, because I freaking love those guys. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's 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 infuriating. It's a joke, isn't it? Uh, leaders debate. We don't need we the, the public don't want to know. The public don't want to know about what, what plans we've got in store. We, I don't want to be debated on those fox hunting. I don't want to be debated on that. No, I'm sorry, mate. See you later. All right, Teresa. Yeah, okay, no worries. Um, yeah, uh, look after yourselves. I'll see you soon. As always, take care. Look after your cats, your dogs, your rabbits, your mice, and your guinea pigs. <laughs> oh, that sounded more... What did that sound like? Like a monkey? I was trying to do a guinea pig impression. I did a guinea pig impression. Yeah, that's, that's vaguely it, isn't it? Yeah. Um... That's a good dog one, and no, that's like an angry cat. Although, no, God, I can't do a cat impression. That's embarrassing. I mean, I don't know what to do with that. I feel quite depressed. There's a cat impression. Woo! Thank God for that. See ya. Twist on me, twist on them, twist on you, whoa, whoa, whoa.